Hello, and welcome to episode 268 of The Brian Oak Show. This song right here by uh, Head East, Never Been Any Reason. Oh, I, the intro is one of the greatest intros it in is. all of classic rock history. You. Hang on. I just I got to hear a little bit of the vocals. A little bit of the vocals. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> so good. Two lead singers on this song. Here we yeah. go. Number two right here. I've been walking behind you. You've been able to see. There's never been any reason for you to think about me. What could be better for a band than having two brilliant lead singers both driving each other to be better and cooler and bigger and smarter and sharper and more talented than they were before. And then they harmonize together, and you're like, oh, man, I am going to go drink a Bud Light and get high out in that cornfield tonight, <laughs> and I am totally making out with that one girl who said she'd never make out with me. That's what that song makes me think of is that particular era, although I never got invited to a cornfield party because I wasn't cool enough. You, you ever go to a cornfield party? Uh, yes, I did because I did small town radio, unlike you. Oh, so that's all there were were cornfield parties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like big cu- bonfires, couple where of kegs, were... big bonfires. Oh yeah, people jumping over the bonfire, like throwing fireworks into the bonfire. I did not care for that at I've, all. With I've bottle had, rockets coming at my head. I've had people throw live ammunition into a fire before, and yeah, like a late night drive. Yep, sure. Don't let's no. Here's I'm like, the thing. No. Let's have fun and let's be kooky, but let's not die tonight. It's a big thing in small towns to jump over the bonfire. I yeah. didn't realize that, and that goes really. Well, until there's like it gets later, until someone's on fire. Some people don't make it all the way over the bonfire. I learned ah the good old days. As mentioned, it's the Brian Oak Show. My name is Brian Oak. His name is Sean Bernard. Sean, we're coming off a long Labor Day weekend. How you holding up? I'm holding up well. I never made it out to the fair. My family went out. I had to do some work stuff, and uh, they. I just said, just go, 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 do it. And they did, and they had a great time. And fabulous. But they did not bring me back Sweet Martha's cookies, and so I'm not talking to anybody in the family right now. So I was out there five out of seven days in a row. And three of the, well, that, that's just work. I mean, I yeah, got, yeah. You know, back when I was doing afternoons, it was 10 of the 12 days. Ooh. That's garbage. Mm. No, but I love the state fair. I always have, but I'll let you know this right now. And I'm not trying to give a damning condemnation to your family, but three of the five days I was out there, I brought home a bucket of cookies to my family. That's what love looks like mm. right there. You know what though? I'm going to be super honest about those cookies. Highly overrated. Delicious yeah, when they're, they're, when they're piping hot. But they're not really even as good as like the Toll House cookies you make at home. But it's a it's a fun thing. It's it's a tradition. It's a thing. Yeah. But three days later, when they're all melted and warped oh, in yeah. the plastic, and you're chipping it out with an yeah. ice pick, they're not quite it looks the like same. a cookie sculpture. Yeah. At some point, <laughs> and, and tastes like sawdust. Not the same <laughs> thing. Um, anyway, I, yeah. So this, the Labor Day weekend is behind us. I actually, so I don't have a lake or a cabin. But the reason I played that song to kick things off, head east right there. On Labor Day, I like to break out the Weber, which in my opinion, I don't care how high-end a wood chip smoker you have or a big green egg or gas grill. The Weber, to me, is still God's perfect instrument for craft. I mean, just it, it's easy. It's simple. There aren't moving parts. You don't have to worry about getting the precise apple wood chips or whatever. Yeah. 
I love the Weber. So I spent yesterday doing that. And then I spent over three hours pulling out all the classic rock out of my catalog wow. and sitting in the living room and blasting it. And it um, it made me miss the days of Budweiser and bad weed. Has Tenacious D done a cover of that song? Because I could hear Jack Oh, Black. my God. What a great idea. Wouldn't that be great to hear them do that song? Oh, my God. And they can both sing. I know. That's what I mean. I could totally. And him doing the high notes oh, right Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah, exactly. <sighs> I could just see him holding up his hand doing it. Well, I did get fired the night, last time I tried to go see Tenacious D from my, <laughs> my right. day job. Uh, <laughs> however, they're coming back for a sold-out show at Surly uh, this month, and my daughter and I will be going. Should I get lucky enough to warm my way backstage, I will bring it up oh, to him because that's gosh. a brilliant, brilliant idea. Should we talk about our Patreon event now or after we get into our discussion with our guest today? Uh, let's cover it real quick. That way we can Our, give him. And you know, all we, we, the can, we can also can, hit yeah. it hit yeah. at the end as well. But I just, sure. I don't want to make him wait too long. But I also, you know, we have all been going through a weird time the last couple of years. You and I promised to do a Patreon event monthly early on and then a global pandemic hit and that made it very difficult but for our patreon supporters and our close friends and family and for the people who've ever been a guest on this show our ideal was to since we focus so much on things that are so local was to provide some sort of amazing fun little intimate experience that not everybody's welcome to attend not that you're not welcome to become a patreon member anybody can do that yeah for sure patreon.com slash brian oak show but we actually now are confirmed for another Patreon event. We are Thursday, September 22nd. It'll be at the Hook and Ladder. Again, if you're a current Patreon member or former guest on the show or and or, and or a client, yeah, uh, clients get to go too. I, <laughs> our, I, I should certainly hope Our so. lovely partners get to be there and yeah. invite friends. But we just got uh, the final word from Trailer Trash that they're going to come and perform this will be a nice early show so Grandpa can get into bed before uh, you know he has to work at 4 a.m. the next morning. I'm telling you, man, that Matt Nathanson matinee I went to that yeah, started at 3 yeah. in the afternoon, one of the coolest things I've ever fucked. I was home and in bed by 7.30. It was brilliant. Yeah. This will be a blast. I've I've followed Trailer Trash for years. Used to see them at Lee's all the time. They played there all the time. I uh, mean, so much fun. Na- and- I can't really think of Nate or any of the other guys in the band without thinking about Lee's Liquor Lounge. Oh, it was such a great venue. Yeah. I wish somebody would have bought it up and just made it just like, like not changed a thing. That yeah, well, ideal, but. sadly, time moves on. However, some things from the past do remain like trailer trash, and I'm not saying that they're old and in the way, but, I mean, we're going to be lucky to have them. This is going to be a cool show. I feel so fortunate, though, Peter. Remind me again. I know people can rewind a podcast, so it's not yep. really necessary. We're talking Thursday, September 22nd. That is correct, and That's we'll probably do doors at, like, 6 o'clock, music okay. at 6.30, and we'll have everybody out of there by 8 p.m., Fabulous. Yep. I'll send an email invite to the current Patreon members and to former guests. That'll be going out in the next couple of days. Look at that. We're yeah, going to finally cool. have. I'm ready, man. Me I'm too. ready. I got a couple shows coming up that in the next few weeks. That was a part of our weeks. deal. Like, I was so excited. It was to, the whole you know, thing. It was yeah, a really so, huge part of the deal. So excited about that. And then the stupid, stupid pandemic. Came stupid in. pandemic. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to, speaking of business partners, uh, Joe Burgess, who is jumping on board. He's got his own stuff going. He's actually got a lot going on. And we're going to find out more about him, who he is, where he's from, and what he's really up to. Hmm. Just kidding. Hmm. No, we're going to totally go TMZ on him when we come back. But first, I wanted to play a song here. Um, As I was digging through my records yesterday, this isn't technically classic rock. It goes back to the very early 80s, but one of the greatest bands to ever come out of Boston. They were so great, they put out an EP, an album, 
and then didn't record or do anything for another 30 years. But when they came back, they were brilliant. But this is going back to Signals, Calls, and Marches, a band called Mission of Burma out of Boston. And some people may know this song because Moby would cover it many years later Mm. in the late 90s, early 2000s. But the original is so important to me, I might have played it five times yesterday, possibly more. Here's Mission of Burma on The Brian Oak Show.
that was written in an age where daily shootings were not the norm. No. So I would just like to reinforce in everyone's mind that despite the fact the song is called That's When I Reach for My Revolver, that's metaphorically speaking. We don't have to shoot something or someone every time we get angry. Sometimes we can just turn up loud music and feel better. Maybe punch yourself in the hand. I, anything. <laughs> Stop shooting people. Stop fucking shooting people, if you'll pardon my use of the French. What a lovely way to welcome our guest. Now, here's the thing. Um, the, in, in, in the history of this particular show, anybody who jumps on board as a sponsor or a co-partner gets to have a show for themselves. But we will not reduce it to infomercial. We will talk about this person, and we will talk about the business they provide and the services that they in, involve themselves in. But we also want to know more about the person to me the whole reason to have a podcast is to have a conversation it is to get to know people and joe burgess is with moxie wealth management and before we say another word about any of that hello joe how are you hi how's everybody doing pretty good good. pretty good um did you have a good labor day weekend i did i did i was up at the in-laws cabin in alexandria and uh uh yeah it was good relaxing perfect weather okay so boating fishing Punching? Well, I mean, what kind of things? <laughs> what kind of things do we? Well, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. What kind of things do we do on Labor Day weekend? Well, I think we spend most of the time on the pontoon, going about three miles an hour around the lake. But see, there's nothing That's wrong relaxing. with that, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. pontoon time is cool. Like, when you're on a speedboat, they are fun. But you hit somebody else's wake, and suddenly you're bouncing and breaking your own teeth. And yeah. the pontoon lifestyle, man, I got, I'm not mad about that at all. No, I think someday if I had my own cabin, it was definitely it would definitely be the number one boat would be the pontoon. Well, and again, yeah, I absolutely love that. Well, I'm glad you had a good weekend. Now, yep. um, before we find out about Moxie Wealth Management, you and the things that you get involved with, what you can do for clients, all that kind of thing, I would like to know a little bit more about Joe Burgess. Is that all right? All right. Where are you from? Fairbowl. Yeah, Fairbowl, Minnesota. Yep. So you're Minnesotan born and raised. I am, yes. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of a couple of years in my... Uh, beginning of my professional career. I've been in Minnesota my whole life. Yeah, so. well, and see, it's weird because I was born in Portland, Oregon, right? And But my parents moved here when I was two years old, so I've never really known anything else. I've been out to Oregon many, many, many times, but I still feel a little fraudulent calling myself one of us. You're born and raised here, <laughs> aren't you, Sean? I am, except for I moved down to Phoenix for six years in my teen years. Yeah. So I always feel a little funny about saying that too, but most of my life I've lived in Minnesota. But both of you were born here. Yeah. Am I allowed to, I've lived here for 52 years now. Am I allowed to call myself a proper Minnesota? I think you are. I think you've passed the test. Do you? Are you saying that because we're doing this together? Yes. Yes, I am. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Joe, so you are born in Faribault and you decide you're going to go for finance. What is, what is childhood Joe's life like? I mean, were you into sports? Were you into music? Were you into girls? Were you into boys? Whatever. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know yeah, that no. much about you. No. So I went to a very small Catholic school in Fairbow called Bethlehem Academy. Once again, three Catholics in the room. Oh, there we go. Here we go. That was not <laughs> yep. part of his signing the deal. I'm not sure that's true. Our little Catholic cabal here, skull and bones. So you go to a, like, when you say very small, how many kids in your class? Like 50? 22. That's small. Wow. Yeah, so when you ask the question of what did you do when you were coming up as a kid, pretty much anything I wanted to right. because they needed bodies. Oh, right, right. So, okay, all right. Um, you know, going into college, my resume would look pretty good. And I was in, I'm going to list a few of the things I was in. Go for it. But part of it is because I was into it, and part of it was because they needed bodies, right? <laughs> so I was in the jazz band, the pep band. I was the lead in the play. I was National Honor Society. I was football, basketball, baseball, 
Wow. Um, I was on the science club. Well, obviously, the, they needed know. bodies, but you raced past a couple of things right there that I have to ask a little bit more about as we get to know you. Yeah. So when you talk about being in those bands you were in, jazz band and pep band, what was your instrument of choice? Saxophone. Really? For sure. And like and Alto I, sax, regular sax? What are you talking about? Well, again, numbers, all of them. Um, oh. so wow. When I, so in addition to being a wealth management expert, you were also a multi-instrumentalist. Yeah, and my style, <clears throat> excuse me, my style of music, um, I can read music all right. Yeah. I can hear it, though. Yeah. So if you play it, I can play it, but but reading it. So you play it, by ear. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, I need a little bit of guidance, but if you were like, here are all the notes. Yeah. To me, I'd be like, can you just play it once? And then I'd be able to rip it back. Sense, and, yeah. and that's wild. And in fact, when I. That's not a common trait, by the way. That's not something everyone can do. I guess I, that's the only way I know. All right, well, you know? Right. <laughs> good, 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 well, good. And we had the same thing. So I was actually uh, the lead in the play Bye Bye Birdie. I was in Bye Bye Birdie. I was Randolph McAfee in Bye Bye Birdie. And I was, who's the main guy? Conrad? Oh. Conrad Birdie? Yeah, Conrad yeah. Birdie. Yeah, he, he was, was the was stud you know, of the show. Conrad Birdie, hello. <laughs> and I remember I had a gold lame outfit oh, and whatever. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, and when they first started, because again, this is numbers. This is not like you're at a major school where all kids are doing theater all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. But but also, still, not everyone gets to be Conrad Birdie, right. do they? Right, right. So they they pull out the music for the song, and I start singing, and they're like, "Oh crap, this this is not going to work out." Right. <laughs> and I said, "Can you do me a favor? Can you can you play the song for me?" Right. Right. And they played it. Oh. And then. Boom, and then my I could I could do it enough. I could do well enough because I heard what they were going for. It's yeah. almost like I could I could act the voice even if it wasn't my voice. You know, who's Conrad Birdie now, everybody? Huh? <laughs> oh, now? one last kiss. I remember that song. And I sing that one. Yep. You got to be sincere. Yep, those yep. are two of the songs from Bye Bye Birdie. Here's what's weird. Yep. I love musical <laughs> theater. I was in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I love musical theater, and I was in it a bunch growing up. And um, I've never seen Bye Bye Birdie, and you've both been in it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was a fun show to do. I did it in ninth grade, actually. So. You had kind of a mean look on your face right there when I said I've never seen it. You got angry right there. Well, I was a little upset because you should have seen. I think it was, uh, wasn't Dick Van Dyke in? Or was it oh. Dick Van Dyke? I don't no, it wasn't Dick Van Dyke. I mean, it was somebody else. I just, Mary Poppins. I just, oh, yeah, it was. But the, the guy that was in uh, Bewitched. Uh, Darren? One of the weird, one of the older, Darrens. Well, yeah, one of the weird older dudes in that was in, and like in the sixties. So you'll have to see that sometime. At least see the movie. In my head, I was just acting out Elvis. Oh, that's yeah, what basically. it was. That's well, what the that, character. Yeah, yeah. Is. The character. That, that's what you're yeah. supposed to do, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, that's the whole bit right there. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about Moxie Wealth Management and what it is exactly you do that is different from what other people do. Because I don't know, wealth management. It, I always feel like people think that it's one of those things. It's like, well, I'm never going to have that kind of money to need a wealth manager but that's not where really what it's about right it's about people it's about people with normal means or at least some decent means right and how do you build that grow it stabilize it and we'll talk all about that next but before we go any further i hate going too far into a show without hearing music and every single guest be they sponsor partner whatever they have to bring music along because and again it's not like you said, you know, you're sitting there overthinking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever want that. I want people to tell me what they like because to me, it's informative, not in a judgmental way, but I'm like, oh, you know, like this person digs this song. Uh -huh. This person digs this band. To me, it is another way 
of all the many ways, like finding out that you were Conrad Birdie, that's cool as hell. Yeah. You know, but finding out the music you like to me, that's that's another means of communication or expression. Uh, and so tell me about the first song we're going to hear here, because I, as I told you, I don't even, I don't know that I've ever even heard of the band Dispatch, but given yeah. that it's all in capitals, are they emo? <laughs> no. Are you an emo guy? <laughs> no. A lot of screamo, that kind of stuff? No, they're they're kind of, well, They I guess back in the day they called themselves indie rock okay. kind of band. And the are, way, we, are we talking 80s, 90s? Well, so I think they started in like 96. Okay. Right? And I come across them about 2005, uh, maybe a little bit later. This was an iTunes deep dive for me. And you remember you used to, you'd pick a song and then if you like that song, you'd say, well, here's a whole bunch of other yep. people that if you like them, right? Yep, yep. And I remember when iTunes came out, I would just do like hours of, oh, that's cool. And then I would just keep going and keep going. And I got into this rabbit hole and I came across Dispatch. And I and this is a, a indie rock band out of Boston. And at the time I was like, man, these guys are really, really good. And my wife and I are all into music right yeah, so yeah. so whenever we hear a, a, something new that we like we're just all into it right and so i i was like we got to go see these guys and then i get online and i find out they broke up in 2002 oh that's right? a drag yeah and you're like oh shit i just like i totally missed my opportunity because right. i would have loved these guys right. right um well they did a couple of reunion concerts like 2004 2007 2009 2011 they get back together are they doing it still? They're still. Now Lovely. they're together. And so you've seen them then. I've seen them. I saw them at Red Rock. Uh, wow, isn't that a yeah. fantastic really? thing? Oh, they're, but one of the cool things when I was looking them up is um, when I just came across them. When they broke up, I think that this concert is actually 2004. They had a, the three guys just didn't get along. And so they're like, we're not going to be able to make this work. We're going right. to break up. Let's just do one final concert, a free concert out in the band shelter in Boston. And uh, I don't think at the time they were even signed with a label. And 110,000 people came to their concert. Right. Man. I, I think it's like a Guinness, like largest right. concert but for a band that doesn't have a label. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, was just, it was just massive. Right? That, that's a lot of people. Right. So picking out a song for Dispatch is tough yeah. because I, I got I'm, I'm kind of a super fan of these guys. But this one that I picked out uh, is on their last album, which was 2017. Um, and it, it did turn out that two of the three guys got back together. One of the guys, it just didn't work out. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, not everybody loves everybody. Imagine how difficult it is to keep a marriage together. Then right. think of a marriage between three people who are all extremely creative and temperamental. I can't imagine. All right. Well, I'm excited, man. I've never heard him before. This is dispatch. Only the wild ones on the Brian Oak show. Talked Corso in the MC5 And you could dance 
example wow. of why I ask everybody who comes on this show to pick out music. It's not a cool contest. It's not about, you know, I like to find things that I've never heard of before. Always learning has been a staple of my mentality and my philosophy forever. And and so there's, and especially with music, like there, there's always more than any one person will be able to know. And the best way to learn more about it is to experience more of it and ask other people. Uh, Joe Burgess is our guest right now from Moxie Financial. And that was great and so you fell in love with them late but what's one of the great things about coming to a party late like that like my favorite band on planet earth queens of the stone age i didn't find them until 
they already had three, four albums under their belt. And then I felt like I won the lottery because I got to go back and, <laughs> yeah. and dig through all of it. Yeah. And I liked all of it more and more and more. Just now we're at the point where they're only putting out a record every six years. So if we could pick up the pace on that oh. there, Josh, that would be fantastic. Joe, let's talk um, because you are now officially a partner with the Brian Oak Show. Let's talk about Moxie Wealth Management and more specifically your intro into money. Deciding that you're going to do at some point accounting, managing, strategizing. These things all become a part of who Joe Burgess is. How does that happen? I mean, give, give me the shortest version of that story you know how. Well, uh, I know we could sit here yeah, for five right. hours and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the shortest version is, you know, I was uh, uh, I went to St. John's in Collegeville, mm. and I remember uh, spring semester, everybody's interviewing. They all have it out, figured out what they're going to do, and right. I didn't, you know, and it's a liberal arts college. I was a communication major. Uh, marketing and journalism was kind of the idea of what I thought I was going to get into. And uh, you dodged a bullet. I there, dodged right? a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I ended uh, up inter- interviewing with another Johnny somewhere, and he said, "Well, you know, because I had two different kind of spiels depending on whatever company I was going to talk to." Of course. And he and I gave him the wrong spiel, I think. And he said, uh, "We don't have the thing for you, but you should go talk to this company, right?" And it happened to be the parent company that we're still affi- affiliated with, North Star Resource Group. Mm-hmm. And and I think what turned me on to it is both uh, my dad, uh, who's recently passed now, and my mother, uh, they both uh, were in sales or had their own business. Uh, my dad had uh, group homes for mentally disabled adults, mm. and my mom uh, worked for Mary Kay for 30, well, since I was born, 45 right. years, 48 <laughs> right. years, right? Uh, she's, she's retired now, too. Um, but both of them kind of instilled, if you ever want to kind of make what you're worth, they had this real kind of oh, I don't know, maybe Republican and whatever, you know, uh, to do it. You need to have your own business. And the interesting part about that is when I grew up, we didn't have any money. Um, huh. we, were, <laughs> we were quite, you know, I, I only found out after high school that people went somewhere for spring break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know right. people actually yeah. get on it. My first flight, I was 19 years old and I paid for it myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I didn't know anything about it. But they just always said, you know, do it for yourself. You can do it for yourself, have your own business. And so I always thought I was going to have to start a job and learn a trade and save up money and build inventory and have bricks and mortar and all that Uh kind of stuff. And then I interviewed for the financial services and they were like, well, with zero money and zero inventory and zero, like you can just start where every dollar is a plus dollar. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And I said, well, maybe this, maybe I should give this a shot. Um, So that's kind of how it evolved. So when it comes to what you do with Moxie Wealth Management, Mm -hmm. who's it for? I mean, who should who should worry about what they're doing with their money, how they're thinking about their future? At what level do I have enough money, or who am I in this world that I need someone like Joe to to kind of guide me and move me in the right direction? Well, as a firm, we try to widen the net a, a little bit so we can serve more people, right. and that's right now we have uh, three advisors at the firm, and uh, we're adding a fourth here shortly, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just to kind of widen the net because yeah, I think everybody needs a little bit of help, you know. But what has what have changed? What has changed in the industry in the last five to ten years is there's been a little bit more of a push towards a fiduciary type relationship. And what does that mean for those of us who are idiots when it comes to finance? Well, if you were, um, say, just a registered rep that sold a product and made a commission, okay, technically I'd never have to talk to you again. True, because it's all set up and it just runs, right? Yeah, you could just say, at the time it made sense, 
this is what you purchased, and we're done. Uh, fiduciary is much more of an ongoing relationship, and from an advisor standpoint, an ongoing liability in somebody's financial world. Okay. So because of that, what used to be, you know, where an advisor would have 2,000 clients, now you really have to narrow it down because you have to see people a couple times a year, if not Mm -hmm. more, and you're responsible for a much wider range of their financial world than just, for example, placing a product. Okay. So so it's not just like if I buy a, I get a Roth IRA from someone, we set it up, I don't have to think about it. But we're talking to someone like you and the the other agents at Moxie is it's going to be it's going to be more hands-on, which frankly to me, although I, it would sound to me like, oh man, I got to go meet yeah. with Joe again this week, just yeah. another thing to do. But knowing that my money's moving in the right direction being taken care of, that seems like a pretty good idea. Well, you know, I think the idea is that people are good at doing what they're good at. Right. And so could somebody with a certain amount of research be able to come up with a lot of the same information? Possibly. Right. If you had enough time to spend on it. Um, But then, you know, you try to outsource some of that stuff and have people take care of it. Uh, I would say one of the bigger things that we do, I find over time over it's been 26 years now is just managing behavior. You know, and I think it's hard if if I'm speaking to you because you would say, well, hey, I've I'm going to handle everything right. When the market goes down 35% in a month, I'm going to do just the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you paint a pretty good picture, though, with the, you know, you could do your own research, but that's the same as, and I've run into this before because I've made this error several times myself. If I do enough research online, I can figure out how to change the wax ring on my basement toilet. Right. However... Uh, I'm going to go back and forth to Home Depot a half dozen times. Yep. I'm going to spend way too much money. And in the end, I'm going to put a wrench through a wall and then say, you know what? Fuck it. Call the plumber right now. <laughs> right, right, Just right. call him. And right. so that's why, I mean, again, Sean and I say this all the time. We like working with professionals. So if you actually want to take real care of your money and have someone in charge who knows what the hell they're doing, yeah. that's when you hire a professional. Yeah. And I would think that, you know, the next step of that, too, because I've been around long enough where the business has kind of changed its shape a number of times. Mm-hmm. You know, 25, 30 years ago, you'd have things in silos. You'd have one person doing insurance, one person doing investments. Financial planning wasn't even a thing. Right. You'd have a CPA over here and an attorney over here. And so what we really do is kind of bring that team together. So so we sit side by side with people at a 30,000-foot view and handle all those different silos together. Now, we bring in CPAs and attorneys because we don't provide tax or legal advice. Right. Um, but we'll incorporate the uh, individuals that we recommend are using people's current CPAs or attorneys, and that's part of the team. So every every answer is what's the financial answer, what's the tax answer, what's the legal answer, basically. All right, we'll talk more about that coming up momentarily. But first, once again, it's been a little too long since we've heard any music. And this next band you've chosen, I'm not intimately familiar with. I would not describe myself as a super fan, but I like them very much. And I've seen them live. And I'm also, I they've got a couple songs that when they come on, I have to turn them off because <laughs> I'm, as Sean will attest, something of a crier. Yes. Uh, and, it, and that's not even a joke. But there are a couple of their songs that are so bleeping heart-wrenching that I can't really get through them. Like, if, if it's in the background and someone's talking or I'm eating right. a sandwich or something, fine. But if I, if you know, I like to listen to music. I love lyrics. I love the storytelling aspect. Yeah. And this band is about storytelling. Why do you love the Avett Brothers? Oh, man. Uh, big fan of the Avett Brothers. I'm, I'm into really folk-type stuff because the two things I really appreciate are the musicianship of real instruments, mm-hmm. of course, uh, but then the story t- storytelling that we're talking about. Uh, in this particular song with the Avid Brothers, the reason this stuck to me 
is uh, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, and speaking of crying, heck, I might cry describing this yeah, whole thing. Yeah. But um, This is a safe place. And we yeah. have, I have at least one napkin that only has a little bit of tomato yeah. soup on it. So we can, <laughs> you'll be able to dab your tears. So, uh, so after he passes away, which is surprising, he dropped of a heart attack, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, planning the funeral and doing the wake. And my dad, God, you know, for three hours, there's people out you know, in line all around the funeral home and out into the street, you oh. know, that kind of thing. And so you got to meet 80 or 90% of them that I've never met before. So you start to understand the whole life he had that wasn't with you, you right. know, since you graduated high school and moved on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there was a lot of planning and, and everything just happened so fast. I don't think you get a time just to sit in process. Mm-hmm. And um, after the day of his funeral, we were driving home and right about when we got home, this song came on. Oh, man. And my wife and I are fans, so we knew the song. Uh, I don't know if my kids knew the song, mm. but we pulled into the driveway, and the five of us sat there, quiet, bawling, and nobody moved a muscle till the whole song was done. So this might be one of your songs. I have not listened to this song and not cried in the last two years. Whew. Well, here we go. Welcome to the Brian Oak Show. (laughs) When my body won't hold me anymore and it Let's me free Will I be ready When my feet won't walk another mile And my lips give their last kiss goodbye Will my hands be steady When I lay down my fears My hopes and my doubts The rings on my fingers and the keys to my house With no hard feelings When the sun hangs low in the west And the light in my chest won't be kept Held at bay any longer When the jealousy fades away And it's ash and dust For cash and lust And it's just hallelujah And love and thought Love in the words Love in the songs they sing in the church And no
trade winds Take me south through Georgia grain Or tropical rain Or snow from the heavens Well, I join with the ocean blue Or run into a savior true Shake hands laughing And walk through the night Straight to the light Holding the love I've known in my life And no hard feelings Lord knows they haven't done thing is that's only like the third time i've cried today (laughs) my gosh joe they just had to do it they just had to bring in the tearjerker our guest today is joe burgess of moxie wealth management the newest partner to the brian oak show all new partners always get their own show and are welcome back anytime um moxie wealth management which is you and your colleagues and of course under a larger umbrella which we'll get into in just a little bit has a very interesting logo with the m and the mountains in the background what what mountains are those uh well it's supposed to be after mount rainier mount rainier out in washington out in washington yep and see so the pacific northwest i have gone out to many times in fact we'll be returning to before year's end um lincoln city on the oregon coast is my favorite but you can't fly out there without seeing mount hood or mount st helens or mount rainier and I, i i've been going out there since i was a child because my dad's whole side of the family lives out there all his all my aunts and uncles grandparents that kind of stuff when they were still alive uh, and Rainier beer was the beer here. Yeah, that, yeah. that was that was their thing. So why Mount Rainier? Well, so I had from a in my twenties just thought I at some day I wanted to climb Mount Rainier, and I don't even know where it got into my head. And, had you been there before? Uh, I hadn't even been there. I've been to Seattle, but I, I hadn't been to Mount Rainier. No, yeah, but, yeah, so yeah. that mountain specifically though was yeah. calling your name. Somehow. Well, I think what it was is I was just kind of like I want to do this, but what's maybe the one that's got the least chance of killing me? You know what I mean? That, see, <laughs> see, now again, that's what I want to hear from a financial advisor. Yeah. I want to hear, let's make it exciting. 
but let's not kill ourselves. <laughs> right, right, right. And so when you're actually up around the mountain, it, you know, you get, oh, man, you for a couple of days, you just get to pretend like I'm a serious mountain climber, right? right? So the guys, uh, the guide that we went with, and I'm grateful, of course, that I went with a guide, um, you know, they've climbed Everest a number of times. The, the guy that we did, I think uh, Ben Okita, I think was his name, he's climbed uh, Rainier like 4,000 4, times or wow. something. Like he's... This is like a walk in the park for him, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, so we... Uh, but still needs to be taken seriously because the people who have done it the most realize a misstep means you're falling hundreds or if not thousands of feet to your death. For sure. A week after we were there, somebody <clears throat> fell off and died. Exactly. Yeah, wow. there's no doubt. I mean, that's the whole yeah. thing with mountain climbing. I'm like, you know what? I'm standing on perfectly comfortable ground right now. Yeah. Why are we going up there? But right. occasionally you have to, right? <laughs> right? If you want to achieve, you got to achieve. So we, we climb up. This is actually, it's basically like a two-day process or day-and-a-half process to get up and just a couple hours to get back down. Yeah, obviously much harder to get up. Um, so the first day you climb up to about 10,000 feet and you stay in this bunkhouse where you're like sardines, just kind of laid out. And you grab a little food and, you know, basically you can sleep if you get a chance to, you know, from six to midnight, Man. wake up at midnight and then you make the push to the summit. Right. right. And it's at a midnight. Cl- yeah. You start at midnight with with headlights and crampons on. Really? Yeah. yeah. Climbing a mountain in the dark. Yeah. Okay. And, and all, all right, you're I'm seeing listening. are just headlights. And part of me is like, actually kind of genius because I can't see how scary it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the yeah, light. yeah. Also, <laughs> it would also be nice, though, to see where you're supposed to put your feet and yeah. your hands and your, right. you know, I mean, wow, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. So everybody had headlamps on. And when you go around the nose of Mount Rainier, oh, it's probably two to three feet wide and and there's a there's a rope there an anchor rope that you can kind of do it yeah but down the two or you know off of the three feet Uh that's a two thousand foot wow i'm I'm gonna go with with the hell no on that one (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, right but you did it so you made it to the peak we did well so the the steepest part i made it up the steepest part Uh uh it's called disappointment cleaver and I got Jesus to the, Christ. Yeah. Not just not like disappointment peak. <laughs> disappointment cleaver. And Jerry Mathers as right. disappointment cleaver. Right. <laughs> um, but the what happened for me, because they did say you need to be in the best shape of your life. Right. right. And what you don't realize is you're roped in with five other people. Uh-huh. Ooh. And so not only do you have to climb what was, you know, like a, you were kicking in footsteps in the side of the glacier. Yeah. And it was fairly vertical for about 1,100 straight feet on this Ooh. cleaver. God, yeah. um, but not only did you have to do it, but you had to do it at the same speed as the other five. Right, because oh. you're all tied together. Right. And if and a couple of times I was like, hey, can we take a break for a second? They're like, this is the steepest part of the mountain, man. We don't stop. There's, you no, know? there's no break taking. Yeah, there's no break taking. So we got to the top of the cleaver and it had started snowing already. And um, it was about waist high snow on the, on the up upper high my and, god and they said they the lead guy came to me and he said listen you you were struggling a little to get to the top of this thing uh-huh it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle because of the snow the rest of the way we think maybe you should you should jump off wow you know, like and i was like oh that was just so like crushed and i had my cousin uh matt and my friend john were, were up there and they got to keep going but again they only got another thousand feet and then the snow really came down yeah. and they had to turn around anyway so nobody well, made it that day, even you know? in an ideal scenario yeah. right perfect weather climbing a mountain is not a small matter right yeah and so then you add those things to it and um but okay so it still obviously was profound enough for you and still enough of a pinnacle for you to want yeah. to achieve that you made it the actual logo of moxie wealth management and i know in reading some of the stuff on your website that you bring sort of a sherpa mentality to yeah. it which is uh, 
mountain climbing is one thing to think like, I am a great warrior and explorer yeah. and I will do the whole thing. If you don't have someone carrying the food, someone who's been up and down these trails yeah. a zillion times, you got nothing. So is that sort of a metaphorical approach to what you do with Moxie? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when we were climbing Rainier, I mean, when we stop, it would be like eat half a sandwich, drink eight ounces, uh, take this these gloves off, put these gloves on. Uh-huh. Like it was everything controlling your temperature, your food, your calories, your water, everything. And this whole idea of being the guide, and I felt felt totally secure, as secure as I could, right? Right. right. Doing something very stressful, but having this person who's been there four thousand times before that can help. And so I thought that whole Sherpa and guide standpoint of when clients come to me or our team with the finances. I want you to feel like we're that Sherpa, right? right? And so and so we, from A to Z, financially related, we're going to guide you through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and heaven forbid, if something happens to your spouse, guess what? We'll step in and we'll be able to take it, take it from there right. for you, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, the other sidebar to that is, you know, uh, I always give the uh, reference to uh, Tenzig Norgay, who was uh, first time in Everest, right? Mm. Um, he can't bring 150 people up to... Everest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And so in our world, we can't have 2,000 clients. Right. right. You really have to narrow the number of relationships we have and really get deep, and, you know, in order to give that kind of guidance that everybody needs. So. To continue the metaphor, if I die up there, are you just going to leave me to freeze or are you carrying my body <laughs> back down the mountain? Well... If we're actually talking, <laughs> well, <laughs> metaphorically, we'll take care of you. If we were on the that. mountain, I'd have to leave you. Sorry. That's what happens. <laughs> I just wanted to bring up quickly, uh, a gift a friend of mine gave me about 15 years ago was the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I grew up broke. And I, you know, with our listeners, I'm sure they had very, you know, various levels of wealth in their family. But there's a sense of shame to a certain degree if you don't know what you're doing financially. And there's a lot of people that, you know, they've done much better than their parents ever did. But a lot of what the original schooling you get is from a parent that understands money. And and so I, I just think it's an important thing that Joe's not going to shame somebody who comes in and says, here's my money. Maybe I have a maybe I've got somebody I'm working with, but they haven't called me in three years. You know, it's important for us and for this partnership, this relationship that we're partnering with somebody that will take care of our listeners. You know, know, that's not going to shame them. That's going to sit down and ask the right questions and take care of them and help them. For me, in many cases, my money's not about me. It's about my kids. And it's about, I don't, I'm not a big, you know, I just, it doesn't matter as much to me. The possessions of my life don't matter as much to me, but it matters a ton to me that I leave my kids in a great position once my wife and I are gone. Yeah. You know, we try to spend a lot of time talking about, um, you know, kind of hopes and dreams yeah, stuff. Yeah, what's this for? You know what I mean? When somebody says to me, hey, I got an idea that's off the wall here. What do you think? <laughs> that's when I start to get excited. Yeah, that's cool. Right? That's All right, cool. cool. How do we do this off the wall thing? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? That's you great. want to start a brewery? Okay, let's figure out how yep. we do that. Yeah. Right? Or Love you it. want to go live in Europe for two years mm-hmm. and how does that affect things? Awesome. Let's figure out how we do that that thing because that gets that's more fun. Yeah, people me, get driven know? by their yeah. dreams. Absolutely right. Love that. Yeah. Love that mentality. Before we continue with Joe, I do need to check in with another guy in this room. His name is Sean. Sean happens to be a realtor by trade uh, for the 50th and France location of Edina Realty. Now, you, I remember saying on the last podcast, we're getting to a time of year where 
things slow down a little bit, right? Because people yeah. people have settled into schools and they're kind of getting back into the routine of what it means to get through another Minnesota winter. But it's not over yet, right? No, in fact, I just picked up an, another new client uh, yesterday. A friend of mine um, uh, got married a couple months ago, and uh, I'm Mazel gonna, tov. Yeah, I'm going to be meeting with them uh, this Friday, and uh, I just want to mention something on the side that you know. When you buy or sell a house, you're going to run into issues. It's just going to happen, especially if you buy an older house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to say this out loud on the show. Don't trust every contractor and every bid that you get. Always get multiple bids. Agree. And don't trust every inspector who because inspects the, your home. the last two deals that I've done, the disparities in you know what they're throwing out there right. uh, are unbelievable. And I just had that happen with a... With a uh, clients who are buying and selling with me, but it, it scares the hell out of the buyers or sellers, first of all. I'll bet. And somebody had given an estimate without actually seeing a property. They saw a few photos, they threw out a number. What? And I was like, no, 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 no. And thankfully, I, you know, yes, I grew up broke, but my dad was a master craftsman. He went to school and was a master craftsman. So I know enough to be dangerous. I don't pretend to know all the answers, but. But I at least look at clients and say, why don't we get a couple more bids on this? And in both situations recently, that second or third bid has come in at a totally, totally different, you know, more affordable level. So consider that. If you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And just like Joe and Brian, I absolutely love music and I'm donating a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician. Which, you know how rich those people are already. Oh, they're so... I don't know why you're just sprinkling more money on those. (laughs) What's funny, though, is some musicians have a main gig, and they're doing just fine, we have learned. What now? Yeah. <clears throat> also, before we get back to Joe and begin to wrap things up here on the Brian Oak Show, um, we do want to thank Smart Start MN. We are in the Smart Start MN studios. They were here before we ever recorded a single episode of the show. Now we're 268 episodes in. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What that means, you get a DUI or someone that's dear to you or near to you or maybe just someone you met at that party the night before and they screwed up big time. You can help them out. Get in touch with Smart Start. They can put you in touch with everything you need to get back into your vehicle, begin driving, because you will lose your license if you get a DUI. That's set in stone. There is no moving that around, but you can get back on the road for less hassle and less money than you might otherwise expect, and they'll get you a deal on the ignition interlock system installation if you go to SmartStartMN slash The Brian Oak Show. Joe, you work with Moxie Wealth Management. You also now work with The Brian Oak Show. What is the number one destination for people to get in touch with you? Where would you like to direct them if they're like, you know, my wealth could use a little management. I could probably use a little advice here. What's the best place to get get a hold of you? Well, they they could start with our website, Moxie Wealth Management, all spelled out, Mm -hmm. uh, .com. And there's a spot there that you can uh, click on my bio and and, uh, uh, schedule an appointment for a phone call and introductory call. In fact, it's a a large sort of... um, Autumnal, almost pumpkin-colored uh, button right here that says schedule a call with Joe. 
That would be the place to click it? That would be the place. All right, very good. Well, Joe, this has been cool, man. It's great to meet you. Before we wrap things up entirely, I do want to remind people, Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through Security and Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. How was that? That was perfect. That was delightful. <laughs> Except I'm you not right? going to make you it. No. To... <laughs> Remind me the next time I say that to take Clear. a breath somewhere. In this. <laughs> oh, we have a pair of those defibrillating pad- paddles at work yeah. at the radio station oh I work gosh. at. They're hanging in the break room, and I'm like, what if someone actually went into cardiac arrest? Am I going to trust any one of these knuckleheads nope. around me? <laughs> nope. Clear! Boom! Like, like we're watching emergency? No, not at all. Um, I want to thank AudioQuip. I want to thank everyone who's ever been a Patreon member or supported, amplified, subscribed, anything to this show whatsoever. We really do appreciate it, Joe. Thanks for jumping on board. Speaking of, before we wrap things up with Joe completely, we want to remind people that we have a Patreon event coming up. Thursday, September 22nd. Uh, please RSVP once I send out the email so we have an idea of how many people will be there. Trailer Trash will be performing around 6.30, which is just freaking awesome. I can't wait. And it's at the Hook and Ladder, yeah? Yeah, at the Hook and Ladder, uh, right over on Minnehaha and Lake Street uh, in South Minneapolis, so we can't wait. Well, we're more than happy. We, look, we've been trying to pay this thing back for a long yeah. time, but it's been a, it's been a, it's kind of like climbing Mount Rainier and the snows suddenly came <laughs> in. And then for two years, we had to wait down at base camp, unfortunately. Joe, um, before we let you go, um, you also do a little of this podcastiness yourself, don't you? I do. I do. Uh, my podcast is called The Ascent Podcast. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, I get yeah. it. Okay. Uh, Do you still mountain climb, by the all way? All tied together. Uh, I was actually, I've got two more on my radar, uh, Everest Base Camp and Kilimanjaro in Africa. Wow. So my dad, when I was very yeah. young, uh, he was a member of the Sierra Club. And every single summer, he'd get together with his buddies, and they would go out and climb the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. Oh, wow. Every summer. And then, of course, you know, you get old, you get a family, all these things start happening. But when he retired, and he retired at a very young age, because apparently sometime I, after I moved out, he started making actual money. Um <laughs> Which these things will happen when yeah. you know when you don't have any kids in the house anymore. Um, he started doing these sort of adventure vacations with his buddies, and one was a bicycling trip of Vietnam. Another time they went to Nepal, and when they went there, he made it all the way to Everest Base Camp. Yeah, he did not make the final ascent but even getting up to the base camp he said you're literally standing on top of the freaking world and he still every time i ask him about it now to this day and he's what late 70s he still gets this look in his eyes this far away look like there's nothing else like it on the planet yeah good luck to you man i hope you make it there yeah yeah thanks that's cool so anyway your podcast is called the ascent and i could just go online and check in like type in moxie the ascent and Uh, find it type in the ascent podcast with joel burgess okay it turns out that there's more than one ascent Uh, we figured uh, you know over time i'm not sure if i was first or second i gotcha uh, yeah the whole idea of that podcast was i had worked with and gotten connected to a whole lot of successful people over my career and i thought man it would really be nice to profile how these people think and how they got to where they got to and uh so we've been doing that for a little over four years now we have a monthly uh monthly show that comes cool. out and uh it's been great and there's some been some real high profile people from the twin cities that have been on there and frankly across the country um but we focus mainly on people that are executives business owners other successful people around the twin cities 
that would explain why you and I haven't been profiled. That makes, that that makes yeah, perfect sense. Now I get it. Now, that, now makes, that makes a lot of sense right there. <laughs> Joe, we're very glad to have you on board, man. Thank yeah. you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks Looking for having me. This it. is fun. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll have you back again in the not-too-distant future. But before we let you go, of course, we need to hear one more song because everybody who comes by, three-song minimum, man. It's like going to the, the comedy club, two-drink right. minimum. You come by, you got to bring songs. So uh, as we thank you and the people at Moxie and all that you do, and of course we'll continue to mention this as we move forward i want you to tell me about this final song right here and why this is the one you chose so this one is chloe dancer by mother love bone Mm -hmm. and um i was trying to put together you know i'm a 90s kid graduated high school in 92 and i was definitely into the grunge phase right and you can list all the bands there of course you know Nirvana and Foo Fighters and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Mother Love Bone and all these. And I was trying to figure out a song that kind of tied in. And I remember back uh, to the singles, the singles, oh, yeah. the movie yep. and the soundtrack. I, which was brilliant at the time because I was right in the pocket age-wise for that. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. a young adult watching that movie with yep. Matt Dillon and yep. but Bridget Fonda, was she in yep. there too? Yep. she was in there. Ben, no, Ben Stiller, I'm thinking of Reality Bites. No, no, no. Who was it? Kevin Bacon's wife was oh, in there. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I can't think so, of her name. Anyway, though, Gosh, I mean, yeah. it was... It was Kira Sedgwick? Kira Sedgwick, yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Boom. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Trivia. What's up, Cliff TMZ? Clavin. What's going on over there, E.T.? Um, <laughs> the, uh, but, I mean, it was, it was a slice of adult grunge life, and I was at the exact age those people were, so I remember it very well. Yeah, so I was, um, I, you know, so Chloe Dancer, it was probably one of the first times I heard the name chloe and i was definitely a fan and uh, i just dropped my own daughter chloe off at college a couple of weeks ago are you telling me are you telling me (laughs) that your college age daughter is named after this song well the name for sure with the song (laughs) you know and actually i'm not not saying it describes her yeah but i mean is this where you yeah that's where i got her name that's where i got her name that's fabulous yeah and of course you know the mother love bone unfortunately the lead singer guy had a heroin overdose Mm. but uh jeff amont and stone gossard from there went on to pearl jam Mm -hmm. right and pearl jams again one of my favorites i went and saw them at uh, wrigley field a couple years ago that kind of thing so they do the baseball park stuff don't they they kind of they they do and to be honest it kind of depends on because i've seen them at excel yeah and then i've seen them at wrigley field the sound is actually quite a bit better at excel I, well, well you know, understood, a, understood. You know, but it was but, a good experience. But also, there's not quite anything like being outside at Wrigley, is there? It was the best. Yeah, I'll bet. It was the best, yeah. All right, well, uh, thank you very much, Sean. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, and thanks <laughs> to everybody for listening. little mother love bone as we wrap up episode 268 of The Brian Oak Show.
Mr. Fitt, 